The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm glad to be with you on this Sunday morning and have a chance to reflect with you on your theme, the way of love. As Christians, we've entered into the year in which we use the Gospel of Mark as our primary gospel text during worship. And I don't know um, if other speakers have made you aware of this already, but one of the major themes of the Gospel of Mark is the way. Indeed, the Gospel of Mark begins in the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And that prophecy, those words from Isaiah, set the framework for what Mark is going to do in the rest of his gospel. And that is to explain both the good news, what the good news is, what it looks like in action, and to invite people into following a way. The text today comes from very early on in the Gospel of Mark. It comes after John appears, the one who is going to prepare the way. Then there's the baptism of Jesus, a very quick passage on the temptation. And then we get over to um, Mark 14. And that's where uh, Mark 1:14, and that's where today's text begins. Now, after John was arrested, well, that's quick. Mark is a very fast gospel. All the sorts of uh, big stories uh, pass by in the first few verses. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Here we are with the kingdom theme again and saying, so, so Jesus is now taking up the proclamation of the news, the good news. And he says, not something particularly about the way, he doesn't say, you know, I am the way, or the way has arrived, but instead he says this odd thing. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And then the text goes on with the calling of Simon and his brother Andrew, away from their lives as fishermen into being his disciples. And so here we have a story of really the first two really significant followers of Jesus that enter into a way. But Jesus doesn't really talk about the way. Instead, when he's preaching, he says, the good news is here, the time is fulfilled. 
So time has something to do with the way. A few days ago, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who is a bishop in the Episcopal Church. And he's, he's a good friend and wonderful support. We share a lot about uh, our common struggles with uh, what it means to be in ministry in these difficult days. And so we were, we were on the phone, and he said um, something to the effect of, oh, it's, it's Friday? I, I, I don't know what day it is anymore. And we, we were sort of laughing about this because both of us, although we're very busy and we have a lot to do, our calendars are weird because of the pandemic. You know, days don't really flow in the same way that they used to flow. And uh, we're somewhat off. Can't remember really what day it is. And I laughed and I said, um, oh, you can't remember the day. I can't even remember what hour it is. And I have days like that right now. If I don't have a certain number of Zoom calls planned at particular times, I'll sort of look up at my clock and I'll say, oh, how did it get to be three o'clock? Or why is it just 11 o'clock today? I don't know what time it is. And I, and I, I don't know what day it really is. Well, come to find out, this is actually not all that abnormal for human beings who have been in isolation or removed in some way, shape, or form from their normal lives. We human beings depend on time. We depend on, on clocks or calendars. Even in the ancient world, when Jesus lived, when you didn't wear watches or carry around a cell phone that told you what time it was, there were still ways that people told time, sundials. Um, bells and chimes on public buildings that reminded you of certain hours of the day. People were very good at telling time by, by where the sun was in particular seasons. And so human beings, we live lives that are related to time. And because of the pandemic, uh, many, many, many of us have experienced time differently. And so my, my bishop friend, as we talked about this phenomenon, he's also a philosopher, he said, well, do you know that there's actually a word for this? And I said, no, what is that? And he says it's called temporal dislocation. And since our conversation, you know, I've not only discovered how temporally dislocated I am uh, by virtue of the pandemic, uh, but it's also the case that, you know, if you, if you want to punish someone or torture someone, you put them in a room where the lights are on for days on end, and you rob them of their sense of time. Or you throw them into solitary confinement and take away their ability to see out a window or to know what a regular day is like. And these are ways that we human beings have actually discovered that we can make one another sort of less than human is by robbing one another, robbing someone of a sense of time to temporarily dislocate someone. 
Now, if you're relatively healthy and been going through the pandemic, it's probably just annoying or can be even funny if you forget something or you don't know what day it is. But I also think it's a little bit of what we've been suffering through, why why people are breaking the rules around the pandemic, is that people want to be located in time. And so they don't want to miss Thanksgiving because holidays are things that locate us in time. Or they don't want to feel like they're unmoored in time. And so they'll go out and do something that they would normally do on a Friday night, even though they know that it breaks the rules. So temporal dislocation is, is actually a really big deal. And it affects, it affects us in very significant ways. And right now there are lots of us going through it. And so I think that when I came to read this passage today, you know, in preparation to being with you, the thing that stood out to me above all of it, I've preached on this, ta- this text any number of, of uh, times in my life. And I love preaching about fish and fishermen and following and all these other kinds of things. But the, the one phrase that kept ringing in my ear this time was the time is fulfilled. And perhaps that's because of this crazy sense of temporal dislocation that we're all experiencing, certainly that I'm experiencing, that my bishop friend was experiencing, is that we don't really know what time it is. This phrase, the time is fulfilled, the, the word fulfilled, I, I, I actually really enjoy um, going back into sort of looking at keywords and passages and seeing what the Greek was. You know, what, what was the original word that was used by the writer um, in this text? And the word that is used here is a, is a really kind of fascinating word. And it's to talk about something being fulfilled is the word pleiro. And the word has several different kinds of connotations. It does mean fulfillment or being filled up. Um, But the first connotation of it uh, that may or may not refer to this text, it's, there's a couple different ways you can take this particular phrase. Um, But the first way is the idea of like filling a bathtub and, you know, you open the tap and the water comes in. And um, when it gets to the point where it is full to the brim, that's what, this word means to be filled up like a bathtub or a jar uh, to the brim. Now, a moment ago, I was talking about temporal dislocation and this strange sensation of not knowing what time it is. I do not know how many times in my life when I have opened the tap in a bathtub and walked away and forgotten that the bathtub was, was running and then come back into the bathroom only to get my feet wet because the tub has actually over, overflowed its, its, its sides. And that's actually kind of really what this word means. It means to fill to the brim to the point of overflowing. And so I think that this is an amazing kind of way of thinking about time in relationship to discipleship, in relationship to following the way. And that is, um, in effect, it's asking us to not forget that the tap is flowing. 
Um, you know, don't wait until you have to walk into the bathroom and get your feet wet to remember what time it is. Oh my gosh, I've got to, you know, the, uh, I've got to make sure that the tub doesn't overflow. Um, but instead, to be aware. And I think this is what we were asked to do during during Advent when we talk about the time is near or um, awake. You know, be aware of what time it is. All those passages that we were just uh, we went through just weeks ago. And so, you know, hey, the tap is open. Be aware of that. Don't let it ruin your bathroom floor. But instead, let God's abundance come into your life. Let the tub be filled to its brim. And the way that we keep track of that sort of time um, in faith communities, certainly the way that they did in Jesus' time, or the way that they, we keep track of it today, is by things like holy days, a cycle of holy days that keep us reminded that the water is flowing, that God's grace is present up to the brim, as it were. So we have this seasonal cycle of, of holy days. We have the Christian year, just refer to Advent. We're now in Epiphany. We went through Christmas. Um, also, weekly celebration of Sabbath and daily prayer. All of these different practices uh, keep us reminded that the time is fulfilled that God's presence is with us. In effect, the world is being watered by the grace of God. And to remember, remember what time it is. And that's a really important thing right now during the pandemic, is to keep our sense sharp about what time it is, despite the upset to our calendars and our clocks. We are not temporally dislocated if we are in and with Christ. We are relocated in time and that these customs and practices that we have as community and that have been treasures passed down to us will keep us in the time as we need to be kept in time to remember the overflowing abundance of God. The time is fulfilled. This is part of the good news. There is, however, a second aspect of time that I've been thinking about in these same weeks. Not only, of course, um, have we all been through some sort of sense of temporal dislocation regarding uh, time because of the pandemic, but there's another kind of dislocation that many of us, I think maybe even most people, um, in certainly the United States, but perhaps even in a larger sense across the globe are struggling with. And that is, time is like more than just the bathtub. Um, time is also about history. Time is about our larger stories. It's not just about keeping ourselves focused on our days and how God shows up that way. But it's also about knowing where we are in the larger story of what it means to be human. And we human beings need this kind of time as well, a, a sense of time that goes beyond calendars and clocks. Instead, this is a sense of time that tells us that our lives have meaning, that we're participating in something that is bigger than ourselves, that it isn't all meaningless, this life that we have. 
but instead there is some some purpose uh, to it all. And in Christianity, and again in Judaism, which would which of course is what Jesus observes in the in his own time, his his religious faith, um, that idea of the purposefulness of time was that God was in and with the history of Israel. God was in and with the history of humankind. And there was a goal goal of this history. And the goal was that the whole of the cosmos would reflect the divine intentions of creation. That God was a generous and generative God, that God had given the first couple a garden to till and to keep, and that it was the human job to care and nurture for all of creation so that we all could live under our own vine and fig tree, that there would be harmony, peace, justice, and love. And that was the vision. That's God's purposefulness in history. That's God's hope for what would happen with this creation that God gifted us with. And so history was intended to be our responsibility for that, our practice of that vision. And history becomes, you know, how we as human beings betrayed that and messed it up. And so part of the betrayal and part of the messing up, I think, is a sense of meaninglessness. When we are, when we run into disharmony, when there's violence, when there's injustice, when there is no compassion, when empathy fails us, we look around and we say, wait a second, you know, this can't be what was intended. And as human beings, I literally sense that we get historical dislocation when we think that the lives that we're living can't contribute to that. When our lives become disconnected from their greatest meaning, we find ourselves sort of floating outside or alongside of human history without any sense of direction. Where is this all going? Why was I born? What good is my society? Is there any sense to community? And so not only do we get temporarily temporally dislocated, like my bishop friend and I were, but we become historically dislocated. And we don't know what time we live in. Because time, human time, human history, has lost all sense of meaning. I live outside of Washington, D.C., And on Epiphany, the day in which the light, the good news, makes itself manifest into the world, and that we begin to see the revelation of God's love. On that day, there was an insurrection in the nation's capital, which is about eight miles away from my house. One of the things that was really striking that day, watching on television, I did not get anywhere near what was going on down there, 
was the fact that so many of the people in the speeches in advance of that and during the the actual tapes we have of the uh, riot at the Capitol and then the breaking in of into the Capitol building itself were people talking about time. They said, time is up. This is the time. The time is at hand. We've been called to a time such as this. It is time for the people, they said, to save the people's house. And I looked at this and I went, oh my gosh. The people at that riot, you know, many of them there for incredibly nefarious purposes and admittedly purposes having to do with white supremacy and violence and anarchy and all kinds of things to upset any idea of the common good or communities, community that we hold. There was still, nevertheless, I think in a lot of the people who sort of got swept up in it, a sense of historical dislocation. And I think that the appeal of moments like that and movements like QAnon or other kinds of conspiracy theories is that they give people a sense of purpose in history. Their lives have meaning. When someone comes along and says, this is the time, this is the moment for which you were born, join this movement and it will all make sense this time. And guess what? That is actually the second meaning of this word, pleo, in Greek. It means the end is near. Time is fulfilled. We've reached the end of pass, uh, uh, the, the passage of time, the end of the passage of time, that the number of people who have come to the conclusion that the consummation has arrived is at its fulfillment. It literally means that enough comrades have showed up to change history. That's what this word means. And most scholars of this particular passage uh, don't lean into that first definition of time that I gave you, like a bathtub filling up, although I think that that's in this passage. But most people who interpret this passage say that this is the meaning of time that Jesus has in mind. Play oh, the time has arrived. The time is fulfilled. We have reached the end of the history we have known and are now entering into the kingdom, the real meaning of history. Raises questions. Raises questions for me is that is you know, I, I think that so many of, of us as Christians, I, I actually grew up some in evangelical tradition, and, you know, I, I'm kind of in a very different place now from that. Um, but I think that part of 
my own story is being reluctant with seeing history in this sort of apocalyptic sense that the time is fulfilled. And I've sort of backed away from talking like that, that the time is at an end, that the, you know, the time is here. We've got enough comrades to make history change. Because, I, you know, I've seen too much, too many false prophets, maybe not entirely like what happened at the Capitol, but when I was in college, Jonestown happened. A false prophet who proclaimed the end of time, meaning to history, follow me. And hundreds of people wind up dead in the jungles of Guyana. Those of us who understand the dangers of apocalyptic time might be afraid of talking about apocalyptic time. But it doesn't mean that human beings are devoid of the need to understand historical location and to understand that we actually do have a role to play in the revealing of the meaning of history. I think that the way that we can enter into what Jesus is saying is to recognize these things that we human beings need to be located in history. Our lives need to have meaning. We need to understand the flow of the human story and how it flows towards something more than just emptiness. But what does it flow toward? The difference between a true prophet and a false prophet, prophet I think, is around this idea of love. The way isn't just a way of power or my group gaining control or our message being the message that takes over the world or my dissatisfaction being uh, sated. But instead, what the good news reveals to us is that the way at its heart is always a way of compassion, empathy, and love. A way that increases justice, a way that increases nonviolence, a way that increases harmony. It's not, it's not chaotic in that sense. It's not hurtful in that way. Love, of course, upsets empire. In that way, it can seem chaotic sometimes. And love, of course, upsets injustice. And so it can seem at times like it is not being uh, what we expect it to be. It's not being harmonious because it upsets things that are already unjust. Love also is not just sort of placating people. But love is about reconciliation and understanding how people's lives need to be truly healed. And so a true prophet will preach a way of love, not a way of power, not a way of dissatisfaction, not a way of claiming our own, but a way of love.
And I think those of us who are a little skeptical of this idea of apocalyptic or historical time should probably recognize that we actually do have language that talks about things like this. When Jesus says the time is fulfilled, we might automatically think to some sermon we heard when we were teenagers about the book of Revelation or someone standing on a street corner yelling, the time is at hand, repent, the kingdom of God. But those of us who have moved into other spaces, we actually do talk about things like this. We talk about tipping points and critical masses. And if you want to sort of take this, this phrase, the time is fulfilled, and translate it into the way of love, I think what Jesus here is saying to us, and this is something that we should be preaching and teaching and proclaiming and enacting everywhere we go, is that it is possible that Jesus opens the way for a tipping point of love and justice. The time is fulfilled, Jesus says. Enough people have shown up with hunger in their hearts to know the deepest meaning of time, to know that God is with them, to know that love and justice are possible, to know that compassion is real, to know that love of neighbor can be enacted upon, to know that God's presence is here filling our lives so that they brim with grace and gratitude and goodness. The time is near. Enough people have shown up. We have reached the tipping point. The critical mass has arrived. I don't know about you, but if that Jesus walks by a lake where I'm fishing and says, the critical mass is here, come on. Come on, join the way of love. I'm going. The time is at hand. You are neither temporally dislocated even in the midst of a pandemic that is isolating and has cruelly corrupted our calendars and clocks. Nor are you historically dislocated. For false prophets will always steal the time is fulfilled. Because we are all hungry people searching for meaning in our lives and in the human story. Jesus invites us to link the human story to the story of God and to walk in the way of love. The time is fulfilled.